You're listening to the Eltham Baptist Church Podcast. A number of weeks ago, you guys sent a team of us over to Greece. Thank you for doing that. And uh, it, was, it was such a delight to, uh, I guess, 15, 16 of us headed over. Now, just before we went, we, um, we, we had a little a bit of a a look at the ministry of Jesus and we're thinking about imitating Christ and then imitating Jesus in his, in his ministry style. How did Jesus actually go about ministry? And you might remember we, uh, we talked about the fact that one of the best words to think about when you're thinking about ministry is, is the waiter. Uh, diakonia um, literally means to, to serve somebody and, and in particular it had a, had a lot of usage within the household to serve another person food or so forth and so it was a little bit like our modern day waiter. We, we talked about the, the largest restaurant in the world being the Damascus Gate in Syria. It is in the Guinness Book of World Records of holding over 6,000 people but there was a, a restaurant, if you like, of people who are waiting to be served that's even larger than that. It's the world. The world is waiting. And the world is, is waiting for a touch from God. And when we think about the word ministry, think about the word waiting. People who are waiting to be served and, of course, waiters who are waiting on those, those people. That's, the, that's what we're thinking about when we think about ministry. Now, a lot of the time when we think about ministry, don't we, we actually think about, oh, where, where to, where should we serve? And I'm a... I'm aware that because we're going to be focusing a little bit on Greece today, that uh, you might feel that your particular arena of ministry is a little bit, oh, well, it's not quite Greece, is it? It might not be important. But that is not so. The truth is, every, every Sunday we have a time of consecration such as this, but right at the end, if you wanted to call that moment when we all go back out the doors, if you wanted to call it something, I would call it commissioning. As we go, all of us, go back into the marketplace. Now think about this week. What suburbs have you been in this week? Okay, call some out. Where have we been, folks? Where have we been on mission? We've been to Altham. Some of us, very, very adventurous ones, we, we went down to Altham. But hey, you got out of the house. Bless you. All right, what other suburbs? Oh, wow. <laughs> I only heard the word grace. Pastor. Um, Graceville? In Brisbane. Whoa, you do get around. Okay, where else? Oh, Jeanette. Palm Cove, Cants doesn't count. Um, <laughs> no, it does. It does. Bless you. Yeah, John. Broad Meadows. What, another one? Churnside Park? Q. Preston, Mitcham, Greensboro, Kyala. Yeah, yeah, we've all, we all should get to Kyala more. Yeah, where's uh, yeah? <laughs> Waddle Glen, Donvale, Juan Turner, Tullamarine, Blackburn, Fitzroy, Costco. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it, it technically is a suburb. It's, it's <laughs> yep, yep. You pass through immigration. It's a country. Uh, yeah, yeah. So we've got. I know we've got some others there. You, Doreen, Rye, Epping, Epping. Clifton Hill, Craigieburn. Wow, you really do get around. That's it. And nobody's mentioned the city. I know some of you have been into the city, haven't you? I know, I know, I know who you are. Uh, yeah, wow, interstate. Uh, I was talking to Andrew Perry. He was in Sydney. Where, uh, actually, yeah, there you are. You're up in what? What's the suburb? Rhodes. There we are. Yeah. Wow. So that that is isn't that extraordinary when you think about well, where did we minister this? That's where we ministered this week, and that's just this week. Wow. Now, in other ways, we minister too. I wonder if anyone took a Skype call this week. And where, where, did, you, where did you call to on Skype? Romania. Romania. Wow. We have had folk ministering through Skype in Romania this week. Maybe you wrote an email somewhere. Ministry, um, it's easy to get hung up on the, on, the, on the where. But the truth is, all of you just did it all this week, all over the place. That is fantastic. That is, that is how God is reaching the world. 
through little local expressions of his church just like this, um, understanding that the ministry is a, is, a, is a calling on everyone's life and every moment can be used of God to serve his purposes in the world. Actually, if I was, if I was thinking about the one word I want you to think about when you think of ministry is waiting. If I had to, had to give it a definition, I would say serving God by serving others. Serving God by serving others. Um, it's, it's looking to see where God is at work and then in that moment saying, well, okay, Father, how can I cooperate with you? How would you like to include me in, in what you're doing here? What, how, can I, how can I serve alongside you and, and be a servant to others? Well, as you sent... Um, this team off to Greece, we learnt a number of things about ministry. Now, I want to say right from the outset, because I, we all spent some time together on Thursday, they're all going to come together. And in actual fact, um, why don't you, if, if you know you're going to be sharing this morning on the Greece trip, why don't you just come, come to the front here and I'll call you up in twos or threes. You already are, aren't you? This is amazing. But I, I reserved that row for you. And I, now I feel bad because I reserved it. Why, why don't we sit there? I won't feel bad. Um, actually, I wouldn't feel bad anyway. Where were we? I know that all of them want to say the same thing. You know what? wasn't us. It was Jesus. It was Jesus. And that is, that is absolutely true. Wherever you've been this week, whatever suburb or situation you've been in, um, as you have been used of God, it, it's, it's true. It wasn't you. It wasn't you. It was God at work, and that's what we're celebrating here. But specifically, as we learn as a church a little bit more of um, how, to, how to imitate Jesus in ministry, I think it's, it's helpful for us to, um, to hear a few of the stories and learn some, learn some of the lessons as well. So, firstly, um, maybe I can, can I get, um, and, and then to share in this order, um, Bron, uh, Lockie, Struan and George, could you all come up and I'll get get you to share in that order. Bron, Lockie, Struan and George. And you each have a little bit of a, little bit of a story to, to share. Okay. Um, as part of our orientation to oh, Greece... Just before you go, is there anything I need to... Are we good to go in the PowerPoint? Anything I need to do? It's, it's up here on the screen. You, you're good going to happen. Oh, okay. We're rebooting. Okay. No. All right. Why don't you start us off? Um, as part of our orientation to Greece, we spend a few days in Athens um, adjusting to time zones but also just orientating to the country. Athens is built around a very large rock. We, we would probably put Ayers Rock in a, in a similar kind of um, framework. And on top of that rock is the Parthenon, very, very large ancient buildings that were built um, to their gods back in the day. It's their central piece. And one of the things we do, it's usually extremely hot and an extremely hard walk, but we go up and we visit that. It, it was the centre of their world and it was kind of the centre place of their business. It was the access of how everything operated. And I was walking around up there in these, this ancient ruin and just, you know, just walking past the, the temple to Artemis, um, which would have basically been a brothel. Does that right? No, the female one beside it? In Athena, Artemis. maybe? Anyway, the female, it was this female goddess. And um, I, just, I just shot up this prayer to the Lord. I said, what do you think about this? You know, what's your thoughts on all of this? And there was just this immediate response, completely out of left field, which make, um, kind of assures me it was the Lord, and he, and he said, I don't see this, I see the harvest. And from that high point, you can do a, a complete orientation and see basically five million, where the, the homes of five million people. And it was just a real reminder for me, as we look at systems and at, and at the high places in the sense of our society, the Lord's not focused on that. He's focused on the harvest. Mm, great, thanks. It's lucky. Mm. Uh, yeah, I had a number of uh, different highlights that, that I had for, for the trip, a uh, number of experiences which um, you can't really put down to just being coincidence. Um, people that you come across that 
um, God enables you to, I guess, bless in some way. But uh, one of the challenges that I, not not faced, but sort of um, something that I think the Lord was telling me was just around Athens there's a lot of um, poverty and a lot of uh, uh, refugees, people in need. And I think sort of coming back from Greece um, and realising kind of the position that we have in our society and how privileged and blessed we are as a society. Um, I I felt quite a big burden that um, I think that what God wants us to know is that with that position of privilege and and blessing comes a responsibility. Um, It's quite easy for us to just think, oh, well, that's just nice that we happen to be born into an incredibly wealthy country. We've all got houses over our heads. That's really good. But I think that God has us in those positions because he wants us to use that to bless those who, who don't have that. And so I think that is it's just something that God was telling me as I came back. Thanks, Lockie. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, Struan. Thank you. I brought my little friend with me. Καλημέρα και ο Θεός να σας ευλογεί όλους. Σας ευχαριστώ τέσσερις προσευχή και την υποστήριξή σας κατά τη διάρκεια του ταξιδίου μας στην Ελλάδα. I think that's it. Good morning and God bless you. Thank you for your prayer and support during our trip to Greece. <laughs> so um, my trip to Greece uh, came about as a result of uh, a lot of things happening uh, in our lives. Uh, it was made possible by um, uh, a whole series of events that I couldn't have planned. Uh, when we got over there we were uh, allowed invited to help out at a love meal which is basically a soup kitchen for refugees uh, coming through Athens. I had the opportunity uh, along with um, Doug to sit and we'll say talk but we we couldn't communicate except through an interpreter uh, with uh, four or five fellows who had made it from Iran. Uh, One of them was pointing to parts of his body and said uh, this is where he'd been wounded, uh, his wrist and arm and in, in his side. And I asked him if that was because of his faith and he said yes. And it struck me just how real persecution is. And I was blessed and privileged to be able to serve this fellow uh, and all the others, uh, 120 odd people and probably Uh, us from Australia were the only odd ones there Um, but all of this within sight of the Acropolis or the Parthenon just lit uh, faintly in the distance Mm -hmm. it was uh, very moving uh, for me and uh, I'm pretty sure for uh, most of the other group Mm. Yeah, thanks George thanks George I was going to say, it <laughs> doesn't matter. Anyway, um, well, I sort of, I, I did kind of, I grouped, right, yeah. I grouped you together, so yeah. it's, it's okay, oh, okay if we're yeah. sharing similar stories. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, I thank God that He allowed us to go, and um, I'd like to thank you very much for um, being such a good leader, Stuart, and inviting us. And I had a lovely time. We were there for a month, and. Actually, uh, it was beautiful. I wish I was still there, actually. I also went to the refugee centre and um, it was uh, opened my eyes big time because I look at these people and I spoke to them and they're saying, um, oh, we're going to uh, get through five countries to get to where my wife and little child is. So uh, it's quite touching. It's, um, it's not easy for them. It's going to be a massive problem, the refugee problem through the world, it's um, because Athens is in such a a position that a lot of refugees go there and um, when they go to the refugee centre, they they learn, they learn about God, you know, and um, when I ran, guy I spoke to, I said, why are you here? And he goes, because of what I believe. And I said, what do you believe in? Jesus. And he goes, yes, I, I believe in Jesus. So I had to get out of there and he Unbelievable, just just um, just so interesting. It's uh, and and those people, they just they've got nothing. I, I spoke to a few, and they said, 
I said, where do you live? They said, oh, just out in the streets. I said, where do you eat? He said, places like this three times a week. We just go and have a meal at a spot. And, and they're just smiling and, and they've got nothing and we've got the world and we've got, like, still a bit, you know. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, they, since I come back from Greece, like, I've been thinking about it a lot, a lot, sort of, probably because... I've got roots in Greece and that. It's, you know, it's, I could quite easily live there, but, you know, Australia's... <laughs> so, yeah. Great. Anyway. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks, George. Yeah, it was a... Um, why don't we give them a round of applause, these guys? Thank you. Um, it was such a such a privilege to serve folk there at the refugee centre, and and it is worth mentioning. You're probably watching the news. It really just is a humanitarian crisis now there in Europe, and um, um, we just had the privilege of sitting down with folk who are no longer just a just a problem a problem in the uh, the news headlines as it is so often here is in Australia, but real people are just caught up as truly aliens and foreigners, just no place to call home. And, um, and many of them don't even have a legal status. And uh, so that was, a, that was a privilege. Well, we were, we were introduced to the Lord of the Harvest. And I wanted to, um, as we have these reflections, just, just tie to Scripture there in Luke 10. This is, this is that passage of Jesus sending out the 72 and, and the um, rejoicing afterwards. In Luke 10, 1 to 4, after this, the Lord appointed 72 others and, um, and sent them, uh, two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. And he told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I'm sending you out like lamb, lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. So that was their little instructions as they, they headed out. And, and we were reminded... Um, as I say, that he is the Lord of the harvest. Ask the Lord of the harvest. He is the Lord of the harvest. And that is, that is one of the wonderful reassurances we have when we go about ministry is we're going into his harvest and it is, it is not anarchy. There is no such thing as a godless place on earth. Did you know that? Did you know that? Not if your theology is good. There is no such thing as a God-forsaken place on earth. Did you know that? He's the Lord of the harvest. It's his harvest. We might not be there yet, but he is. And um, he is, he is um, very much in charge of his harvest. Further, we see that he sees, in Matthew's version of this, Jesus sees all that we see. Matthew says, When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. So he said to his disciples, Harvest is plentiful, workers are a few. So we had the privilege of, of going going into that, that harvest and, and seeing a little bit of what Jesus sees. And it is absolutely true. Um, Jesus sees it all. Every tear, every pain, he sees it all. He sees it all. And he's, he's Lord, um, even among, amongst the turmoil. Okay, can I get um, Katie and Jade to, to come up next? Um, great cousins. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> And uh, they're going to they're going to share their stories. Why don't you go first, Katie, and then and then Jade? Thanks. Um, all right. So one thing that really stood out to me while I was over there was we were all staying like for the Operation Joshua thing. We we're all staying, most of us, in the same spot, like living and camping together. And it was really cool because it was like we're all living together. We're all sharing food. We're all like sharing company and stuff in our time. And then, like, during the day, we'd be going out and handing out Bibles, like, as a group. And it was amazing because there's just people from all over the world, like, these refugees who've been fleeing their countries because they can't live there. And then people like us from Australia, people from America, from the Netherlands, like, everywhere, all over the place, all together. And it was really cool looking at it and being like, wow, this is, kind of, this is like a little little snapshot of the body of Christ like we're all a part of it but it was it's amazing seeing it all kind of condensed and like just it reminded me of the church in Acts like how they shared everything and they had everything in common in God and that was it was amazing it was just yeah a real a real joyful time and um, even though we're all people with faults and I know sometimes we got on each other's nerves it was just like 
we all knew and had that focus on Christ and God and actually serving and loving God and serving people through that. So, yeah, that was something that really stood out to me, and it was awesome. <laughs> Thanks, Kate. Um, now, Jade, of course, spent a little bit longer there. Um, she's back from after 18 months in, in Greece, and she can't, in the next few minutes, encapsulate all of that, but this is just a snapshot as it pertains to, to OJ, isn't it? And then we'll hear more from you on another occasion. You, you, yes. Yes. Yeah. She feels very much under constraints, don't you? Yeah. Um, okay, so my, my perspective on OJ was a little different. Um, I was much more involved in the administrative side of everything. So all of June, I was kind of in the office every day trying to plan, but it was difficult to plan because we didn't have a campsite up until like a week or two before, and we didn't have participants up until a week or two before. I mean, there was Australians, but uh, <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'm Australians are on it, you know, don't worry. <laughs> but um, yeah, that was just 20 people. And, oh, and, um, and so it was kind of like just really like the whole time just really trusting in the Lord's provision. And um, it was just... Yeah, even in our weaknesses, because we literally had nothing. <laughs> we were kind of just at a complete loss, and um, God just kind of provided, and he really um, sent people, and he sent a campsite, and um, just, you know, we were just like completely working out of weakness, I think, and I just wanted to kind of glorify God for just carrying the whole thing, and mm. only through his provision were we able to... Um, OJ. Mm. Yeah. A couple of weeks before, you, you, how, how many people did you did you have, or you, your best estimate of how many people you had a couple of weeks out? It was only uh, around 100 or so, was it? <coughs> yeah, yeah. I think it was 100 including staff. Including staff. And it's about staff. 80 staff. Okay. And then the final... <laughs> so that's the staff and the Australians. <laughs> and we were compelled to register because of my daughter here. But... And, and then right at the end, what was the total number of people who actually um, came and helped? So it's funny, Jonathan kept in our meetings, he was like, 300, 300. And we're just looking at him like, <clears throat> Jonathan. <laughs> and I think in the end we had, and we were just kind of like, I was like doing tents and stuff, and I'm like, don't worry, we're not going to need that many tents, guys. <laughs> we don't need to go buy more. <laughs> and in the end we had 300 and something. I think it was just 350. 350, I, I heard. And that was just... Yeah. Yeah. yeah, completely. Awesome. God. Great. Yeah. Round of applause. That was the other thing we, um, we realised. You know, sometimes ministry can feel overwhelming and you might be in your particular workplace or situation and, and feel like, I just don't know how to reach this person. They are so far from God. Or there might be so many of them. It might be the sheer numbers. It might be the situation. It might be the complexity of things that they're going through in life. But we... We discovered that the Lord raises up workers. He's very good when it comes to this prayer. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. When it comes to ministry, um, we shouldn't. We shouldn't have feelings of being overwhelmed. Certainly, we should have feelings of feeling compassion. Now, Jesus was moved in that way. He was filled with compassion because he saw that people were harassed and helpless like sheep without the shepherd. But when we're starting to feel a little bit overwhelmed, we've possibly forgotten who the Lord of the harvest is. And so we pray to the Lord of the harvest and we turn to him and say, Oh Lord, there are workers needed here and a work is needed here. Would you please raise up the right people? Yeah, so, so that, was, that was very exciting as well. Okay, who do we have next? Um, Calm and uh, Matt, would you, come and, would you come and join me? Great, thank you. Perhaps Calm, you can, you can share, share first and then Matt, yeah. Um. Yes, well, this camp was very, very different from our last two camps. And before we went, um, as I prayed about in the months beforehand, I was getting the feeling that God was saying it's going to be a camp of joy, joy and happiness and peace. And then Jeanette shared with us on the Sunday before we left about her vision. Some of you may have heard that vision that she had where um, uh, God wanted to give us joy. He had a canopy over us which became ang angel's wings and he was laughing. And the camp was exactly that. We had so much joy while we were there. And as 
um, Jade just said, the provision that God gave us was amazing, absolutely amazing. Um, the camp didn't happen until two, two to three weeks out. We had no campsite. Um, it just wasn't coming together. We didn't have people. But within those last two weeks, God just brought it together. And as I chatted to Jonathan about that, he believed that God had left everything till that last minute to show us that man couldn't bring that together. That was purely God's provision um, for us. And we felt that throughout the whole camp. There was so much joy because we had the number of people that we had, which was the most we'd ever had on, on the camps. Uh, we were coming back to camp at 4 or 5 in the afternoon, time to have a swim before we had dinner and um, to relax and enjoy, which hadn't happened before. We used to work right up into the evening and go straight from being out in the roads into our meal and then into worship. Um, and we had time to enjoy this, time to talk to people in the towns, time to spend with them, share their lives with them, and there wasn't that pace that we'd had before. And the one thing that really struck me was about our team. I've seen over the last three years each team that we've taken and each team has been made up of different people but we come back incredibly blessed and our lives are transformed. God does amazing things within us and the question that came to mind this year, it was about giving out the Bibles and that's what we were there to do but there was a bigger picture than that and I kept asking, you know, Lord, what is it? What is it that you have for EBC um, here while we're in Greece? And it was that trans transformation of our people as we come back. We have redirection in our lives. We have clarity of thought over there. God speaks into our lives and we do. We come back transformed people. So we were incredibly blessed and blessed as a team. Yeah, thanks, Carl. Thanks, Matt. Um, there was a lot of highlights over there um, and a lot of things that God was teaching, uh, me in particular. Uh, but one I want to focus on is um, just a couple of people I met, a couple of South Africans and a couple of Americans at one point uh, and the friendships that I made with them but, um, and just about God giving more than you need, I guess. Um, but this one particular time, uh, I think it was, it must have been day three, the day before, our kind of like kind of day off uh, where we kind of regroup and have a church service together and all that um, and it was quite a heavy few days like it was like I was feeling it after the first three days of that um, I wasn't wasn't feel any negative emotions or anything but I was just really really tired um, and so it was it was dinner time and like the call for dinner went off and I got there a couple of minutes late um, by this stage, the, the queue for the dinner is winding in around the tables, um, out onto the grass and all the way back. I was just like, oh man, I just didn't have, I didn't have the energy to just kind of, um, you know, try and meet new people and um, talk with people for, I don't know, however, half an hour, 45 minutes, however long it took for me to get through that queue. Um, so I was just like, oh, all right, well, I'll just... I'll just wander down to the beach, um, you know, have a, have a drink and then come back in half an hour. So I thought, yeah, that's a good idea. So I'll just do that. Um, and the way I went to the beach, it's only a couple of, like, you know, a minute away, or if that. Um, but the way I went, I, I never go this direction, but I did for some reason anyway. Um, and these, these South Africans and Americans were there and um, they were having what the South Africans call a braai. Um, that's probably butchering it in the Australian tongue there, but um, and they were just sitting around a barbecue, um, and they saw me coming. And they go like, Maddie, and they're like, come and come and grab a seat. And they pulled up a chair for me, and um, it was just like for some reason their story was that they were in the town of Berea, which is mentioned in in the Bible as well, and they were they were trying to find meat after they finished distributing for this this bry, um, and they were, they couldn't they couldn't communicate with the, the butcher there because of the language barrier. Um, but then all of a sudden, out of the back of the shop, there was a South African voice saying, oh, are you guys planning a braai? And the South African just happened, happened to be working there and got them everything that they needed for this braai, um, which, did I explain that a braai is just a barbecue? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and so, and then they were there having this braai and I was there and they were, and they just happened to have like, and I'm not, I'm not even going to exaggerate. These steaks were like this big, 
and at least this thick. They were the biggest steaks I've ever seen. And they just happened to have like one extra of everything that they had. And they're like, Matt, we've got all this extra food. And um, they, we just sat down and had a, a grand old time. And I don't know if I'm allowed to say this on stage, but a wine as well. And um, so we had a wine and a steak. We all wine at times, yeah. but the Lord understands. <laughs> yes. Yes, yes, that's right. Um, but it was just like, um, it was like God was meeting me exactly where I was. He knew I was tired. Um, he didn't have to provide all this stuff for me, mm. but I really felt like that was God just saying, Matt, I know, I know where you're at and you know, I've prepared this for you. Mm. Um, and that's, that's really what I felt. And I felt like God was just speaking directly to me there. And it was just so encouraging uh, for me. Um, and I guess an encouragement to you guys as well because you know, God does meet you where you're at. It just reminded me of the, the passage that was spoken, I think, about last week about you know, how much more will God give you good things yeah, um, yeah. along those lines. So. Thanks, guys. Thank you so much. By the way, that is not where we, where we ate every, every day. A lot of these slides are just random. But it was another provision in a day. There was a, little, a lovely little town about a 15-minute drive. If you knew where you were going, we arrived there maybe you know, an hour later. And, and there was this lovely little town that we were able to go to on our Sabbath day in the afternoon. We have worship together in the morning on the afternoon. We just went out for this little outing. And again, a lovely little provision from God just to find this little town. We discovered that he has all you need. When you minister and you're in his will um, and he's already there, he has all that you need. And notice that Jesus said to the disciples, go, I'm sending you out like langs among wolves. That doesn't sound fun. But he says, do not take a purse or bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. And, and there's a number of ways of understanding what Jesus is saying here, but at the heart of it is, be dependent upon me. I've got everything that you need. You're not going to need anything here, but I have everything that you need um, already ahead of you. Um, and, uh, and, then, and then perhaps in terms of um, what Matt was sharing to he even delights our hearts at times. Um, further instructions to the disciples were, when you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. And if someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there, eating and drinking, whatever they give you, and the worker, uh, for the worker deserves his wages. Don't move around from house to house. So, so in other words, don't necessarily go, go shopping for the very, very best place, but just trust that God will have what you need where you are. Um, and uh, it, was, it was lovely to discover that. Okay, can we have um, um, Doug, uh, Jenny, Alex and Jeff um, next? You guys come up. I'd love to hear from you. Thanks, Doug. Just those words. Just those words you had there, Stu. Um, just reminded me, actually, of a, an incident that I'd forgotten. It was uh, a little village that we'd visited. My job was to coordinate the the guys to give them their Bibles and and direct them on where they would go and where I would pick them up because I was the only one really that had a map of the town. So off they went and I ended up picking up George and Gail on one side of town, went across to the other side of town to try and find. Um, um, Jen and her partner John who's uh, a Greek from Pittsburgh in America and couldn't find them so I sent John um, I'm sorry I sent George and Gail off again and then I spent the next I think half an hour looking for these guys and I was beginning to panic where the heck are they this is not a very big town where are they eventually I found them but that's your story <laughs> okay <laughs> And one that you can hear later. All right, well, yes. I'll, I'll finish it off then. Um, their excuse was they met a beautiful old couple, they were invited in, they had fruit, they had ice cream, and we're out in 38 degree heat looking for them. <laughs> <laughs> um, we were instructed, um, part of our instructions, to stop at the high places overlooking a, a town or a village that we were visiting and, and just pray over that town. Pray for the people that um, God would open their hearts to receiving the New Testaments. But God was way ahead of us. Um, what, what really hit me 
was the openness of the people in the towns and villages to, to receive the word. I mean, imagine walking up to somebody in, in Eltham and saying, here's a Bible, fellas. It's just amazing. Um, some, some had heard the, the news on regional television and, and radio that um, Operation Joshua was in place and a few were suspicious that we may have been Yaakovas, uh, Jehovah's Witnesses. But once, once they realised we weren't, we, we were really welcomed. The New Testaments were received with an amazing amount of joy and uh, the word that I heard continually, and please excuse my grease, is, um, I've forgotten, Eskaristo. Did I say that right? Eskaristo. Eskaristo, which is thank you, thank you. And the thank you, where they were looking at you in the eye with a smile on their face and saying, thank you. Um, some even asked for an extra copy. I've got an extra family in my, in my house, can I please have another one? Um, one example I've, I've had that really stood out, we were in a, a, a little town, uh, Edessa, um, and as we were walking up the street, there were apartments everywhere, there was this little ute uh, being driven by a man and I presume his son, and they've got their scales on the back and the ute is full of beautiful fruit and they just call out, people come down and they buy their fruit. Well, as, as this little ute went past me, the young fellow, he's probably only about 12 or 13, he's, he's snapping his fingers and calling out, like this. Um, and I walked over, I said, I presume he wanted what I had in my hand, which of course was a New Testament, and you're not allowed to give them to children in Greece. So I motioned to the driver, I said, is it okay if I give him this? And he said, yes. And what a great joy it was about 15 minutes later when I got to the end of that street, um, the ute was stopped, the guy was serving some people at the back, and the young fellow was sitting in the ute with his feet up on the dashboard, engrossed in the New Testament. <laughs> I thought, wow, that was yeah. great. Um, the, the, the other thing that really struck us, and it really hit us hard, and that was everyone on our team, was how it was just so clear that God had prepared the way for us. Um, we, we prayed for safety, we prayed for opportunities to meet with people, to share the gospel and God was just so good on that. He prepared the hearts of the, of the people in the towns and villages. Um, we, we prayed for safety, we prayed for those opportunities and, and God kept us safe, even with me driving. <laughs> a battered old Fiat at 130 kilometres an hour down the freeway. Um, no. <laughs> And, and thankfully, we were able to share the gospel. Even though Jen and I could hardly speak a word, word of Greek, we, we had um, three Greek speakers on our team, Gail and George and, and John from Pittsburgh. And John knew a bit little about the, uh, about the culture of the place as well. So, so we, we were led to go into um, tavernas and bars and, and they're, they're not like what they are here in Australia. They're a meeting place within the village. There's no drunkenness or anything like that. And, and it's to sit down and, and have a beer at the end and, and talk with uh, the people serving at the bars. They, they, I remember in one case of two young ladies there and what are you doing here? You're all the way from Australia and, and, and we would explain and John, John or George or Gar would speak in Greek what we were doing and I'm told to go out to the car and get a couple of uh, New Testaments and we were handing them over to the counter to the people behind the bar. Was, God, mm. God is just amazing. Yeah. Thanks, Doug. Thanks, Jenny. Wow, yeah, that brings... Uh, there's so many blessings and so many stories that we could share. Um, I'm just going to share a really quick one. Um, John, the guy that Doug's talking about um, when we were travelling out one day, was telling us that um, when he'd been on previous mission trips, he'd pray for dates, right, okay, and, but the dates were divine appointments to edify. I thought, oh, that's really cool. So we started doing that. So dates, divine appointment appointments to edify, D-A-T-E. Yeah. yeah, great. Yeah, it's cool. Um, and so this one particular day, as usual, we were following our GPSs. We had <laughs> a few happening in the car um, and we led, you know, through this other town on our way to the village we were meant to go to. We went down this dirt road and ended up in a, a dead end. It was like a, a rubbish dump. We thought, oh, what's going on here? So headed out again. Um, I think Gail, you used your iPad then. We are following again and we end up in the same place. So we stopped the car. And then 
we realised, or we saw a lady at the rearview mirror sweeping, looked around and we realised that there were makeshift homes um, in this rubbish dump. People were actually living there. And um, we all as one just thought we need to give these people our lunch, our packed lunches that we took out for the day. So we did that. Um, and then John, as he always did, or I need to go and talk to someone, he went over and spoke to one of the men um, and realised they were Albanian gypsies. But oh, He took a Bible with him, as he always did, um, and he ended up obtaining a contact phone number for Hellenic Ministries to follow up, you know, trying to get a Bible in Albanian. Mm. So, but, yeah, we just had so many blessings and just, you know, for me personally, as we abided in God and just prayed constantly, you know, that just, yeah, he blessed us amazingly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah thanks, Jenny. How many times do we think we're in the wrong place? And then God gives us eyes to see. No, it's just the right place. Yeah. Thanks, Alex. Yeah. Um, I was a bit uh, hesitant about going to Greece uh, this year after the stories I've heard from the previous couple of years with people being arrested and uh, jailed well, for the day. Um, but it was amazing to see just how God has transformed that country uh, and how um, he's just changing it from the top down, the patriarch of um, of Constantinople or whatever has given it his seal of approval and and so that's actually now filtered down to the priests and the churches and so the people are very welcoming to us and we just found that people would be inviting us into their homes giving us you know uh, water or I got I got offered a, a glass of cool cordial or no juice it was beautiful on a hot day walking around and just sat and chat with people and you know share about what we're doing and and uh, it was amazing to just see the reception of the Bibles, how um, eager people were for it, especially the young people. Um, I remember one place I went and put the Bible on on the uh, fence there and, and the guy came out of the house and he started yelling at me in Greek and uh, it's like, what are you doing? And I'm, I sort of said a few words that I knew in Greek, you know, I'm not a Jehovah's Witness, this is the New <laughs> Testament, it's a gift for you, you know. Um, and... Uh, and he sort of just like said, no, don't want it, and, and stormed back into the house. And then I heard this discussion happening in the house and his son came out and he was, he was keen to get it, this like sort of 18-year-old guy. And so I'm like, oh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> Give it to him and he walks back in the house and I just hear this shouting in the house. <laughs> I'm like, oh, well. <laughs> so it was great to see young people embracing another place. Um, we put a Bible on the house and we were walking, we were nearly finished in the town, just about to drive off. And a young guy came out and he, he wanted another copy, so we gave him another one. Just yeah. really cool to see how keen they were. Yeah, yeah. thanks. Thanks, Alex. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks, Alex. Uh, yes, Doug's uh, mentioned about God's faithfulness and um, that's a story I would be keen to share with you, but I have another one. Um, but we, we met priests each time and this last time the priest um, was a lot more receptive. But It's a long story, but I won't go there. But the... Uh, be, a high, be it a highlight or the thing that had most impact on me was a, um, a guy that we'd all met three years ago, Aaliyah. His name's um, Aaliyah Ali, but he's changed his name to Aaliyah Christian. He's a guy, he's now 33. He's born in, um, born in Iran of Afghanis, Afghanis uh, parents. His father, he was the youngest of 14. Uh, his father was an industrialist, uh, exported steel and uh, very, very strong in his uh, Islamic faith. Up to about the age of 12, Elaya uh, um, was you know, studying the, the faith under his father's direction and uh, under a teacher, but he was challenged, his father, or his father challenged him with his attitude and he said to his father, that I just think it's a lie, the Quran's a lie. So his uh, father banished him from the, from the family and um, he grew up... Um, um, away from the family from that probably 16 I think anyway he wrote an article um, against the um, existing government on their uh, the way they were treating um, refugees anyway he ended up in jail and beaten in jail he met a um, a Christian uh, a converted um, um, a person who came to Christ 
in jail. He had some impact on him. Anyway, he's let out of jail and he was um, sent, uh, what's the word when they send someone to another country? Yeah, deported? Yeah, to, back to Af- Afghanistan where, where, he, where his uh, nationality was. Anyway, while he was there, he, um, he joined the police force and he was involved. Uh, they tried to bribe him to, um, this is the Taliban, tried to bribe him to let the trucks go through this pass where he was. Anyway, he wouldn't do that. And um, the te- son of the Taliban was coming through uh, in a truck with, I think, 13 tonnes or 30 tonnes of um, drugs. Um, in his... Um, testimony uh, he says that he arrested the guy but that didn't actually happen something else happened so I'll share that with you privately anyway the Taliban leader was then after him and in the pursuit of trying to catch Elia um, five of his friends um, were executed and he's got five dots on his wrist representing one for each of those so he's been on on the run from this Taliban guy and um, he he escaped and he walked from um, Pakistan through to Greece. Took him months by foot, had no money, had nothing, just had to live off the land and live off whatever he could. But the impact that he had on me is his love for, for Jesus. He's got quite large arms and on his arms up here he's got a broken heart with a cross at the top and then... I've been, I often sit with him and he calls me dad and it's sort of emotional um, because he's, he hasn't got his, uh, his dad now um, and his family won't have any contact with him. But on his arm, he, I said, what? And I took a photo of it because I saw it last time and I, I just didn't like to ask but I can ask anything now of him. I said, what is, what's the wording? What's the wording on your arm? And he's got, as I said, the cross, then a, a broken heart and then so that, that says a message, that says, my heart is broken. But then the words that he's got written in Arabic are, but I only need the love of Jesus. And um, he just speaks so warmly of Jesus. And um, he, I guess part of my, my thinking about him is how many little boys, uh, when we see them on the news, are tormented in their heart um, with... You know, God is Jesus is speaking to them, and they're in this in their environment where that's not where they want to be. It's not what they believe, but they're forced to believe it. So I guess part of my prayer now is to be praying for these little guys and little girls to to stay in touch with the feelings they have when Jesus is tapping on their hearts. Yeah, great. Thanks. So we saw. Um, yeah. Thank. Thanks so much, guys. Um, few of the words there, God had gone ahead of us to prepare hearts and, and what a joy it was to actually um, see the love of Christ now um, ministering you know, through another person. And uh, Jesus actually says, what, what, a, what a thing it is to see. He said, um, blessed are the eyes that see what you see. When you go out in ministry and, and seeing um, the, the sorts of transformation that we get to see. He says that many prophets and kings wanted to see what you see but did not see it and to hear what you hear, but they did not hear it. So when we, when we minister alongside God, there is a, um, we, are, we are blessed. We are seeing things that, that previous generations were unable to see. And Christ is active in this world in a way in which um, others uh, have not been able to see. So what a thing it is to see Jesus enabling people to see. Jesus described it this way, Luke 10:22, All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows who the Son is except the Father, and no one knows who the Father is except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. So when we're ministering, we are actually serving God by serving others, and we get to see often the way in which God is working in the lives of other people, opening their eyes, opening up a heart so that they are able to, to see him. Um, sometimes for the very first time. Okay, lastly, I'd like to just in, invite um, uh, Karen and Gail. Would you come and, come and share with us? Um, another one of God's provisions was our meeting place where we came in the night times. Um, there was an outdoor amphitheatre that 
seated 250 plus people with some seats around so seated us all there. It was just a, yeah, a great place for us to meet. So each night we would have some testimonies from people who had great stories to share throughout the day of how God had worked through them and then we would have a message from one of the pastors and then we would have a worship time and that, that worship time was just such a, a blessing to me. It was yeah, some songs we would sing or they would sing in Greek. <laughs> we would just have to close our eyes and, and listen if the words weren't up in English unless we knew the words. Um, some songs, songs were in English and some were in both. found the songs that were in both and with all the countries represented there, there were probably many other languages being sung at once. But it just I just imagined that would be what it was like in heaven. There was just so many voices blended together and it was just so beautiful. Um, on the last night, Stuart spoke and he talked about how God's glory can be shown through us and that, that message, I think, touched a lot of people. Um, and the worship session afterwards just went on and on and on. I think we might have finished near 11.30 or something that night, um, but nobody noticed. I said it was just a blessing to so many, so many people those times that we spent together. Um, and it was a it was a blessing being just with the team of us that went over there, but with I think 20 plus countries represented, it was yeah it was just a reminder that no matter where you live, um, what place you're in, even here, we're all brothers and sisters in Christ, and we're all in, all one in the spirit. Mm. Yeah, Thanks, the yeah. Um, the worship was just amazing, um, um, truly anointed time of worship and um, but God was just so in the whole um, event while we're away. We just thank you so much for your prayers, our growth groups and we know the church was asked to think of one particular person maybe to pray for and people have told me and we thank you for that. We just saw God just go before us. I mean Jade looked exhausted when we got there. She'd been working so hard to find accommodation in such a short time for hundreds of people and tents and lilos and mattresses and and every single little thing. I mean, God was in it. And even when we talked, Carmel talked about the joy, that was what Jonathan Macri said, the haris, the haris of God, the grace and the joy of God. And that was just, you know, over and over again. We're just grateful that we're able to be a part of it at our age. There's not many mission organisations that would take people, you know, with health issues and age issues um, to be a part of it but to be, you know, it makes you young again to be with young and old children distributing Bibles. You know, one of the guys, Alex's brother who runs the ship ministry for HM, HM is an amazing organisation that we really can, you know, completely recommend to you. If anybody wants to do a mission trip, please don't miss out on this opportunity. They think there'll only be a couple of years left and Greece will be completely, um, every home, Kathispiti, every house in Greece will receive a New Testament, which they can't purchase there. They can't just go to any town. There's no Christian bookshops where they can get a Bible. So it is a really valuable ministry and I really think God's doing something amazing in Greece. Something very special is happening there. But the worship was just, yeah, beautiful. Um, and, I mean, everybody that went on the team has to give a testimony, a written testimony on your application to, you know, show that you are Christian. They don't want, you know, to make any mistakes here. So, um, but yet our pastors, you know, that were preaching to us from every country each night, you know, we felt we got so much more than we gave through the day, you know, uh, pounding the streets, you know, in 35-degree heat but shady little trees everywhere and it's not humid heat, it's doable and um, our feet and knees held up, which we thank God for in our health. And, um, yeah, so it's just beautiful. I mean, the songs, you can imagine, you know, each night being able to rejoice together, crown him with many crowns and, you know, praise God. I mean, it was so genuine, the praise, those songs truly came to life. Um, after being able to do what we did through the day. You know, one, one day when um, George and I were distributing one side of a town, uh, Doug and Jenny the other side, um, we came across a house that was part of our side of the map and um, offered a Bible to a, to a chap 
and he said, no, 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 go away. You know, and, and a couple of times you'd come across houses that did not want and George you know, would speak to him and greet and, and say, you have to respect you know, people. Not everybody is going to want one. You don't force yourself on people. But um, most of them were happy and um, accepted. But we just thought he was one of those and, and sort of a bit disappointed but we we're about to go. And he said, look, he said, he said to George and Greg, you know, the, your friends just gave us one. Look, we're sitting here. My wife's reading it to me now. <laughs> you know, just so, so encouragement. You know, God just, just blew us away. Every little single step he was there. And like Jeanette's um, saying, you know, how God was smiling, you know, it, it really give joy to your heart. You know, it just made me feel like, when the, um, I said to the others already, you know, when you, Jesus appeared to those walking down the Emmaus Road and they didn't recognise it was Jesus as they walked along and then after he left them, they said, that was Jesus. Didn't our hearts burn within us? It was really him. And that's the whole feeling you had the whole time. You know, you were together walking with Jesus those streets and his joy was there. And he was pleased. Um, so his word goes out and, and it was just a beautiful country to be able to do it in. So thank you. I was just going to say, just sorry, just another funny little story. Is one day I think we just finished distributing Bibles and we were, we were watching this woman down the street. We just too far away to call out to her, but we could see her trying to open this dumpster to put a Bible in it. <laughs> and we, we, as it was too far to yell out to her, but she was just trying to open this dumpster and couldn't open. She tried for about five minutes and couldn't open it, so I put the Bible on top of it. So we were just standing there you know, laughing to ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> Great, thanks. Thanks, ladies. Often um, we would uh, return um, tired, having uh, walked the streets, but um, uh, in, the, in the car there was often just a quiet sense of peace and, and jubilation at just having been involved in something um, bigger than ourselves and, of course, again, being able to, to serve God as we served others. And so we'd come back and we'd share the stories, the testimonies and so forth, which is exactly as we see in Luke 10 as well. The 72 re- returned with joy, and, um, and the Lord encouraged it. He knew that they would have this, this joy, and indeed he replied, well, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Here he is sharing that joy. Now I've given you, and as if to explain you know, what, what was going on here, well, I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions, um, two, two things that are feared in, in that culture in that day, um, in other words, whatever it is that you fear, I've given your authority um, to overcome um, all the power of the enemy, all the power that comes up against you. Indeed, um, nothing will harm you. However, don't rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Um, so that was, um, uh, somebody mentioned that, didn't they? they you know, um, often in the evenings from the placa and so forth, we, we could see that um, busy, busy streets. And so forth. Perhaps, perhaps to finish, um, departing from Luke, but just a quick snapshot. And John, you know, Jesus' ministry, by and large, as it was directed and instructed by his father, was was mainly to to Jews. On one occasion, in John 12:21, we we read, however, that there were some Greeks. They wanted their turn, and they came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, with a request. And it was a beautiful, very noble request. I, they were they were right on. They said, sir, we would like to see Jesus. We would like to see Jesus. And I think, you know, whatever ministry situation you're in, in your workplace, as we, as we serve God by serving others, it's good to be reminded, whether they know to ask this question or not, deep within the soul, the question is there. At the end of the day, they want to see Jesus. People can come to you with all sorts of arguments, all sorts of accusations, all sorts of problems, all sorts of dilemmas. And we do, them, we do well to, to address whatever it is that, that is the presenting need. But as we address the presenting need, we also remind ourselves that deep down within them is an even more pressing need. Maybe they realise it now or maybe they don't. But the question within all of us, all humanity, is a, 
is a deep-seated need to see Jesus. And what a, what a wonderful thing it is when somebody is able to articulate that. And so the answer, of course, and it wasn't quite so back in the, the disciples' day, but now that, that we have that wonderful hope of glory, Jesus Christ living and dwelling within each of every one of us, guess what? We physically embody the answer to the very thing that people want to see. They want to see Jesus and through our lives, Jesus living within, they get to see him. They get to see the one who can save their soul. And so in that sense, if you wonder, well, and maybe you've been thinking about your particular gifts, what my gifts are. I've got gifts in this area, not gifts in this area. Do you know what? This is not about gifting. This is not about gifts at all. That's just the way in which God addresses particular needs in the world. But the fundamental need is already met. People want to see Jesus. And in you, they get to see him. We're all qualified to be ministers. Every single one of us is qualified to serve a waiting world, waiting on those who are waiting for God. Praise God, hey. Are you encouraged? Well, we're going to sing a, um, another song in just a moment. And uh, then we're going, to, we're going to have that moment of commissioning where the blessing that we have amongst us here and the blessing that you indeed have within you is going to get carried out of this place and is going to get carried out into the world. The truth is only God knows where we're all going this week. You might have your plans. What what plans God has? Where is the gospel of Jesus Christ going to be carried this week? What suburbs is it going to go to? And where is his love and his grace and his joy and his peace going to be ministered? Well, it would be lovely every week to report back and hear the stories. But I do encourage you to tell one another the ways in which God has worked through you on a daily, if not weekly basis, and encourage one another um, so that we can, we can give glory to God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for all of, these, all of these stories, and there are so many more, so many more that we could have told from our time in Greece, but so many more also waiting to be told just, just here amongst all of us, and, and that is why you invented coffee, so that we can tell those stories. And we can rejoice and we can, we can give you glory. But Father, we seriously are genuinely humbled that we possibly could be envoys of grace, ambassadors, ministers of reconciliation, that somehow we can represent the glory of God. And yet that's the truth of it. John 17, I have given them the glory that you gave me. The very glory of of Jesus Christ, the glory, Heavenly Father, that you gave to him, that glory now resides in us, all those who believe by your Spirit. As you take up residence within us, as you rule and you reign, as, as your kingdom comes in our life, the kingdom being wherever God reigns, as your reign and your rule and your sovereignty and your dominion continues to, to impact our lives and rule over our minds, rule over our behavior, rule over our emotions, rule over our will, as your kingdom comes in our lives, your glory is made known, is made manifest. You can be seen for who you really are. And you simply need to distribute us around the world so that others may see Jesus. So we think about a world that is waiting this week, Lord. Some know the need and some don't. But we pray that you will shine forth through our lives that we will have those moments of realizing it's your harvest, you're at work, you're doing your thing. Help us to see what it is that you are doing and to join you. To come into that situation and allow all of you 
to shine through all of us. Holy Spirit, come. Come amongst us. Fill us. Flow from us. That a hurting world may have the opportunity to experience and encounter you. We've been given a new name to pray these things, which carries not just immense authority, it carries total authority, and that is the name of Jesus. And so we pray all these things in the name of Jesus. And all the Lord's people said, Amen. You've been listening to the Eltham Baptist Church podcast. If you'd like to hear more or simply pay us a visit, go to www.elthambaptist.net.